Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to be in church. Amen. Praise God. You know, I'm just excited to be able to bring forth the word. You know, I go and I, uh, I get a sermon lots of times different ways. You know, sometimes I'll listen to a song and the Holy Spirit will just go boom. And I can preach for 45 minutes on that song because the anointing goes and touches you. Sometimes I'll read a book and, and uh, as I read that book, you know, just something pops out of it. And uh, I read a book here a while back. And when I did, in just like one or two pages, this thing just went boom. And I don't even know the name of the book or who wrote it, but uh, I wrote like six words in my Bible in the book of John. And as I wrote those six words, all of a sudden, this last couple of weeks ago, I was reading it, and those words just started coming again. And that's where this message came from, you know, because I believe God wants to help us. God wants us. How many want to be a successful Christian? I mean, we, we want to be successful. And lots of times in our thinking of success, we think, uh, you know, well, if I was driving a Mercedes or I had a great big house or I had this and that, and there's nothing wrong with those, you know, it's if I had this and that. But God wants you to be successful in overcoming the enemy. God wants you to be successful in every area of your life of overcoming the, the devil. He wants to help you. He's here to help you overcome sin. He's here to help you overcome your, your difficulties, those obstacles that come in life. He's here to help you. Amen? I'm glad that Jesus said in the book of um, John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you another comforter a counselor, a helper, an advocate, a, a, a intercessor, a strengthener, and a standby. He goes, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you forever. So when you're going through something, he says, I've gone now, but I'm sending the Spirit of God that when you need comfort and you need counsel, you, need, you don't know what to think and what to do, I'm going to send you this one. When you need an advocate, somebody to fight your battle, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit's going to be there to do that. When you need strength because you're just weak in everything you're doing, I'm going to go and send you the strengthener, the standby, the one that will be with you in all those times. So, you know, I, I was thinking about this message, and I titled this mes- message, The Mind and Mouth Battle. Because we have a, a battle that's right here. We have a battle that happens up here all the time. And then things start coming out of our mouth. <laughs> and we have a battle that we have to watch what we say. We have to watch what we think. I, one of our main scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He's saying here, our weapons aren't just normal weapons. You know, our weapons aren't carnal, fleshly, uh, natural weapons, but our weapons are supernatural. Our weapons are mighty in God. Our weapons for the pulling down of strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the obedience of Christ. These weapons, you know, they're there and God wants to help us. I was looking in the New Amplified Bible and instead of saying casting down arguments, it said destroying sophisticated arguments. I'm going, 
Now, what is a sophisticated argument? <laughs> is a sophisticated argument one of those arguments that are for lawyers and doctors and people that are, you know, really knowledgeable and gone to college? You know, they get a sophisticated argument. I get the dumbed-down version. You know, <laughs> do they get something like that? But what a sophisticated argument is, is something that makes sense. It's an argument that comes in your mind and it sounds right. It sounds right to you. It's something that goes, it's there. It's something that the devil has kind of lined up because he knows what buttons to push in your life. And he comes to come against you. And the second these arguments come, when you start to challenge them, your defense mechanism comes up. Well, I don't know. And, and, and your mind just starts going. Anybody else ever deal with that? <laughs> okay, I'll speak to myself. But yeah, it happens to all of us. Every single person has to deal with mind assaults. It doesn't matter if, if it's, you know, pastor, a pastor, Pastor Gary, whoever. He has to go through assaults in his mind, just like you and I. He goes through them, and we have to come to the place where we can destroy these sophisticated arguments. Thoughts. Thoughts come to us. Thoughts saying you're a failure. Yeah, you're never going to make it. You've always gone through this. It's always been like this. It's always going to be like this. Thoughts that say, you know, you've gone around this mountain over and over and over. Thoughts that say, yeah, I know that habit. You did pretty good this week, but I saw when you stumbled. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your mind starts to go and run. There's a, a battle that's going on in your mind, and God wants to go and help you in the middle of that. God wants to show you things that have been spoken to us. Some of us got, had stuff spoken to us since we were kids. You know? And those things have just kind of rooted down in our thought pattern, in our minds. They've, we've always thought, yeah, you know, that's just me. I've, I've had that. That's just what people have said. That's what people have done. And, and sometimes people will look at you and you start putting words to what they, that look. All of a sudden, they just looked at you. They walked by. They might have had a cold and just wasn't feeling good and turned. And next thing you know, did you see the way they looked at me? Next thing you're going like this. You've just run wild. They didn't say hi to me this morning. I came to church and they didn't say hi to me. I got to tell you something. Came to church this morning. My wife walked straight by me and she didn't say hi. I'm going to be the bigger one. I'm still going to give her a ride home. <laughs> but you know how your mind can go? Your mind can go and start running every which way, and there becomes a battle in your mind, a battle to go and win these carnal strongholds that have to do with your soul. The soul side of us, our emotions and our will and these different things, and they're strongholds that start to get inside of you, and you just think, you know, I'm going to avoid that person. I'm just going to, you know, and you do different things. It moves you. And God wants to set you free from those this morning. Amen. God wants to help you with those this morning so you can go and get over it because when you allow these strongholds to stay, bitterness can root itself in, strife can root itself in, unforgiveness can root itself in, and you go over things for a long time. 
And God said, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to be successful. I want you to overcome the strongholds of the enemy. I want you to overcome those things in your mind. And what happens is, what the devil does is the devil puts you in a box of wrong thinking. And you just always start to think that way. And he puts you in this box of wrong thinking, and next thing you know, you've gone forever. And it feels like a wilderness time, that you're just kind of in that box. But that box is not your destiny today. God wants to help you break that thing today. Amen? I want to break that thing in my life in areas today. There's God wants to show you how you can go and live in victory over it. How you can go and be free. Amen? You know, we say, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. I want to find the freedom. I don't want to just know God. I want to be free in Christ. That when the enemy starts to attack me and the enemy starts to come against my mind over different situations, I can stand there and I can walk in victory. Amen. See, you can be free. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is going to help us and help you to come into a place where you can be free. Sometimes we wonder, what's God like? If we want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus dealt with different situations with different people. Look at how Jesus went and, you know, moved in those areas to get them free. And then say, that's what God wants for me. That's how I can go and be free in this situation. That I don't need to think those thoughts anymore. See, those strongholds, lots of times are right in your mind. Right in your mind. The first one I was looking at is in John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, there's, there's the wedding, wedding of Canaan. And in this wedding, you know, here Jesus is there and the disciples are there and, and everybody's there. And all of a sudden, they run out of wine. Now, I'm not preaching on drinking this morning. <laughs> so calm down. <laughs> if I was, I'd tell you to read Proverbs 23. Or some others, you know, I tell you to help to help you. But what I'm telling you is here's a situation where where something happened. It's a wedding and they ran out of wine. Jesus mother comes up to comes up to Jesus and and she says they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine. And all of a sudden Jesus turns and he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. And in the next verse, she turns and she says, she says to the servants, she says, just do what he, do what he says. And she goes on and Jesus goes and says, there's six water pots there, stone water pots. They each hold 20 to 30 gallons of water. Go and get them, fill them up to the brim, bring them, draw some water out and give them to the master of the ceremonies. And he does this. And all of a sudden, a miracle happens. The water turned into wine, turned into a, a smooth wine. And so I looked at this story and weddings, weddings are one of the most stressful times in life, especially for the women. I mean, the guys, they just go, oh, okay, I'll be there. You know, what time is it? You know, you know what I mean? They don't care. You, know? <laughs> you want me to wear a suit? I mean, they, they, but the women, they've planned this thing. This is their life. This is it. The flowers are this color. Everything's this. Uh, you know, this person sits here. No, you can't. Uh, they've got it all figured out. And as I read about, they said weddings are one of the top four or five stressful things that will happen in your life. 
buying a house, I think uh, major moves, moving like cross country or something like that. They're high stress points, high stress points. I go and uh, we have Hallmark Channel at home, and I have girls, so you get to see these these girl shows and <laughs> movies. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and a Hallmark, they'll have a wedding that's going on in this movie, and the wedding's going on, and all of a sudden the lady will run in and just say, the flowers didn't make it. <laughs> oh, no, the flowers didn't make it. Next thing you know, they're all, and all my girls are, what's going to happen? I'm like, it'll be okay. You know, <laughs> don't worry. Be, the preacher, he had a flat tire. He's not going to be able to do the win. All this stuff and stress comes. Disappointment comes. I've planned this this way all my life. I've dreamed about this for 10 years. And now disappointment comes. And what you need to learn is how to overcome disappointments that come. Because there's things that you're going to plan in your life. And when you plan those things in your life, all of a sudden something's going to come and it's going to kind of go. You know what I mean? I didn't want my kids to be like that. Next thing you know, your kids are out in the world. They're doing drugs or doing something else. And you go, I didn't want that. My job wasn't supposed to be like that. (laughs) I had a good job. And next thing you know, they're laying me off. Disappointments come. You know what I'm talking about? So as I read this story, I'm reading it, and in verse 4, Jesus goes and says, Woman, what does this concern have to do with me? He says, My time hasn't yet come. My hour hasn't yet come. And then I got thinking, what happened between verse 4 and verse 5? Because Mary just turns to the servants and she says, go and do what he says. And she goes on. I go, what happened? What happened there? I was thinking, you know, if I ever told my mother, woman, what's this got to do with me? My dad would be coming through the door about then. My feet might be lifting off the floor out then. I'd have a bad day. Bad day. You know, and I was thinking, or was it Mary? She's standing there and she's asking him, oh, they're out of wine and stuff. And Jesus says that to her. Did 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 Mary just turn and say, oh, really? (laughs) Oh, really? Or the whole thing of, you know, when you grow up and instead of them calling you Jimmy when they're young, you hear James Robert. (laughs) Oh, I stepped over something. (laughs) I did. But as I studied this a little more. And I started looking at other, other translations. It wasn't quite like that that Jesus said it. Because Jesus said, dear woman, what's it going to do if I do it? It's not going to change anything for that, but it's going to change everything for me. I think what Mary did is she tapped into, he's compassionate. He's going to take everything and it's going to be okay. She tapped into knowing that Jesus was full of compassion. You see it throughout the Bible. You see, he saw the multitudes without a shepherd scattered, and he was filled with compassion. He was moved. He saw them hungry, and he fed them. He saw, he, he saw them sick, and he healed the sick. His compassion just reached out. And I don't believe Jesus got at that compassion when he was 30 years old and started into his ministry. I think all of his life, since he was young, he was filled with compassion. He'd see another kid that was might be... 
might be hurting or needing something, he'd go over and just kind of, hey, how you doing? And be a friend to him, or he might give him something and help him, because Jesus was filled with compassion. And when you get in the middle of something that's a disappointment in your life, you're going to have to tap into, God, you're good. You're compassionate. You love me. You're going to take care of this situation. And otherwise, your mind will start going every which way, and it'll give you a wrong thought pattern. So you've got to tap into the compassion of God. There's times that I just tapped in and say, God, I love you. And I tapped in and knew he loved me. Here, Mary did this, and all of a sudden, a miracle happened. The Creator came. Jesus, with the new wine, comes, and he does a miracle. And the next one I looked at was here, Jesus in John chapter 4. He goes and there's a time there of doubt that's happening all around. Jesus goes and, and uh, he'd gone to Nazareth. He, he told him, you know, he couldn't do great and mighty uh, things, mighty miracles because of their unbelief. You know, he couldn't do mighty things. He was, there was a lot of doubt going around. Here in this situation, in, in John 4, starting in verse 48, Jesus said, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. This nobleman comes to him and says, My son is dying. My son is dying. Can you come? Can you come? And Jesus turns to him and says, Go your way. Your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. He said, go home, your son lives. And it says, the man believed the word. There's times when there's doubt that's going to come all around you, and it's going to attack your mind, saying, how is this going to happen? I need, I need God to do this and this and this. I need something. And Jesus just gives him one word, and he says, go. And it says, the man believed the word. The man believed the word. There's times when you're going to go through stuff and there's all kinds of doubt around you. People are going to want to help you, but they talk more doubt than they do faith. They see your situation. I know what you're going through and it's going to, you know, but I don't know. You know, I don't see how it's, and next thing you know, they're talking doubt into your life. And it's going to be all around and your mind is going to want to grab a hold of that doubt. But if you'll grab one word from Jesus, one word from the Bible. One scripture can change your situation. One scripture can change what you're going through. Jesus told the man, just go. He's healed. And the man went, and as you read the story the next day, he, was, he must have been a couple days from home. The next day, his servants met up with him and said, your son is healed. And he said, when? He said, Yesterday, about this hour, and he said, that's when Jesus told me he's healed. I know I can believe the word. I know when you get a word from heaven, when you get a word from heaven in the middle of doubt, you can stand on that word. You can stand on it and watch what God does and, and stand on it. See, you have confidence in the Word of God. You have to build your confidence in the Word of God. That's why Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That you stand and you have, you know what? God's Word says this. I don't care. God's Word says this. I don't care. The Scripture says this. By His stripes I was healed. By His stripes I was healed. I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand on it. And you start standing and believing the word of God and watch your situation change. Watch your mind start to clear up. 
because we need our minds to clear up. We need, there's times I tell my mind, mind, quit that. <laughs> quit thinking that stuff. Think gospel. I'll make you read an extra scripture. I'll make you read an extra chapter. <laughs> Keep it up. You have to tell your mind. You have to tell your mind. Don't think those things. Don't think like that. You know, I, I've talked to people before and they start going on and, and they start listening to what the devil has to say. Listening to those mind attacks. And I've had, I had a guy come up to me and he's telling me all this stuff. I said, who told you that? Who told you that? Well, it's just, I, I said, did God say that? Does that line up with his word? Oh, no. I said, then who told you? Oh, I guess the devil told me. Then what are you listening to him for? You know, we all get attacks, but we've got to work on our mind and watch our mouth. Why work on our mind when those attacks start coming against us and watch our mouth? You know, I was looking at the next one is in John chapter five. And all of a sudden, here's the man at the pool of Bethesda, the man at the pool of Bethesda, been laying there for 38 years. People would come there to get a healing. Angels would go and stir up the water and the first one in the water would get healed. And this man had just been laying there. And sometimes our situations like a disability like this, you've had it for so long. You've had it for so many years, 38 years. And next thing you knew, you you start to settle with your situation. You start to settle instead of having faith, you start to your faith starts to come down a little bit and you start to settle and think, oh, this is what's all happens. And then what happens is Jesus comes to him, says he says in verse uh, six, says when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I think this is what God tells us all lots of times. Do you want the answer? You know, we're, we're in the middle of our situation. My life, my job, my finances, my kids, whatever it might be. Or I'm in the middle of this thing. And Jesus says, you want to, you want to be well? And then what's the man do? The man just starts, well, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. And when the water's stirred up and while I'm coming, another steps down and tore me. And next thing you know, he's just whining and complaining. Now, I know none of us do that. So I'll make this short. <laughs> what happens is we start complaining. We start whining and complaining and going on that, God, what is going on? I just don't look at this. And next thing you know, out of our mouth, the battle from our mind went into our tongue. And next thing you know, we're not grabbing a hold of that. I've said things before that I'm trying to grab them as they're coming out. I know it's not good. You, know, you see these things, but you have to go and take control of that. One of the things I see in this is Jesus was not moved by complaining. He was not moved by complaining. We think lots of times if we complain enough, God is going to show up. If I complain enough, he's going to go and do a miracle for me. Jesus wasn't moved by that. What you have to do is you have to think on the right things. You have to think on the right things in life. And Philippians 4, 8 says, Whatsoever is pure, lovely, good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on these things. 
So you have the strength that you can think on the right stuff. You have the ability to think right. You have the power that you can think on what God has for you. And, and you stand on it. And what you have to do is you have to say, you know what, I'm not going to think that anymore. I'm going to think what God says. I'm going to stand on what God says. I'm going to start acting like God wants me to act. See, that's where the change comes in our life. That's where it says in Joshua 1.8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. What's it say to do? Take the Word of God and start to meditate on it. Find a scripture and start to meditate on it over and over and over. Meditating, you know, it's, it's like chewing the cud. It'll, you know, let me think what that said. Let me just say that over and over again. Let me just get it in me that I believe it. That I believe it. And you go and you, and next thing you know, you start believing the Word of God. Because Jesus, He's going to challenge you to believe the Word of God. He's going to challenge you to stand on the Word of God in your life. And when you're going through your situation, if you'll get one scripture, one scripture, and you'll start to believe that and believe that and say, I believe that. That's what he said. That's what he told me. I'm going to stand in it. It'll change your situation. You need to start to talk the word. Instead of talking the the wrong things, start talking what God says. Start talking the word till you're not talking weakness anymore. And you're not talking circumstances anymore. And you're not talking your shortcomings anymore. But you're talking what God has for you. Amen? You start talking His miracles and all He can do. Next thing you know, you're saying, you know, I'm not a child of fear anymore. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm a child of God. I am in Christ. I can stand. Next thing you know, faith starts to stir up from inside. You and I have got to go and come to that place that we can win that battle in our mind. And then it'll win it in our mouth. And when you do, things change. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you might have a hard time saying that right now. But you need to grab it and just say, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can accomplish all that He has for me. I can walk in it. Jesus wasn't moved by the complaining. He wasn't moved by it. In fact, all He did is turn to the man and say, Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. He didn't say, Oh, poor baby, I know what you mean. You know, He didn't come in and enter into that with Him. He didn't enter into it. Jesus won't enter into that with you. He'll challenge you to come up and rise up. And the man stood up, healed, took up his bed and walked. And God did a miracle. And that's what's going to happen to us when we start to change this, win this battle up here. See, we all go through it. We all go through these different battles. And, and we can win. It says in... John chapter 6 is, talks about another stronghold, the stronghold of poverty thinking. You know, we hear things sometimes and we, and we want to believe, but there's poverty thinking. Things that have been in our life 
sometimes for years, things we've been taught, things we've practiced, things we've gone and gotten that place, and, and we justify our poverty thinking. There's a story here. Jesus goes and, and uh, he sees the multitude in John chapter 6. He sees them and they're... Uh, he went over to the Sea of Galilee, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed and on those who were diseased. Jesus went up to the mountain, and he sat with his disciples. And now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude comes toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew that he, what he would do. And Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew and Simon Peter, uh, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus goes on and he tells them, Okay, make everybody sit down. And he says, Bring those fish to me and he goes and blesses it and they start passing it out and we know the story where he fed the 5,000 men, women, children, everybody. He fed them to the place that they had 12 bushelfuls left. But I think Jesus, it says here, he asked them, how are we going to feed these people? He was testing them in the area of finances, testing them in that area. And all of a sudden, Philip goes, uh, uh, all I got is 200 denarii. I can't give. I can't give. I don't have, uh, there isn't enough to do this. You ever get those mind battles? I can't give. I, I don't have the money. I can't do it. And you're looking at yourself instead of looking at God. You're looking in the natural instead of looking at God and what God's saying to do. And, and then a couple of disciples, they go and they say, well, there's a boy over there with, with five loaves and two fishes. And I don't know whether they said that kind of sarcastically, you know, kind of, yeah, there's a kid over there with five loaves and two fishes. I don't know if they were saying that totally in faith. But Jesus says, bring him here. I'll show you. I'll show you how to do a miracle in that area of giving. And he does a miracle. I remember when I was young in the Lord, I, I was sitting in church and they were taking an offering and, and uh, I asked God lots of times, what do you want me to give? You ever do that? It gets quiet, huh? <laughs> you don't have to, but you ought to. <laughs> ask God what to give. And I said, God, what do you want me to give? And I was getting paid at the time. I wasn't making much money. I was young and, and uh, I, I had... I, I was, had another week. It was two weeks. You get paid every two weeks. And it was Sunday, and I had to go till Friday to get paid. And those aren't fun times, you know, when you have no money. And I'm sitting there, and I said, God, what do you want me to give? And I felt this, give $5. And I'm thinking, God, that's all I got. <laughs> all I have is $5. And I'm thinking, what do I do here? And the mind battle starts. I've got $5, and I've got to go till Friday, and it's Sunday. Don't you know, God? You ever do that to him? Don't you know where I'm at? <laughs> yeah, he does. 
I finally, after I had my little argument, or uh, my consulting, <laughs> I said, okay, God, it's yours. I said, okay, God, it's yours. And I opened my wallet, and there was a $10 bill. I'm going, how can I get change? <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> when it goes by, just kind of drop. <laughs> Try to pick a five out or something. You know? <laughs> You're sitting there. Your mind. Maybe your mind. I got a mind that likes to go lots of times. You know? But <laughs> I'm sitting there. And I just said, oh, God, it's yours. I gave him the $10. A little while later, this guy walks up to me. He said, hey, he said, you loaned me some money a while back. I'd forgot all about it. It was like a while back. I just got over the anger of it. And, you know, I forgot about it. He came up and he gave me a bunch of money. I said, wow, thank you. The next day I got a check in the mail. It was a check. It was one of those checks where, like, you do your utilities and you put a deposit down. And after a year, they'll send you the money back. I got that check. What a coincidence. I like coincidences like that. You know, I like God gets involved in your finances. I went and came Friday. I opened my wallet and I had money in my wallet. And all I could say is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're teaching me something. You're teaching me how to overcome the stronghold of poverty. Saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. How am I going to do this? And, and God showed me something. And, he, and God will show you here. God went and was showing them something. You may not have enough in yourself, but I can take those loaves and those two fish and I can feed 5,000 people to the enough that there's 12 bushels full left. I can do powerful things. Help God with your mind in that area. Help God set you free in that area that you can go and overcome that stronghold. See, our minds are going to battle. And what we have to do is we have to line them up. Line them up. Another one I was looking at is overcoming fear. Some people, they just deal with fear all the time. Something comes up and instead of having faith, they're looking at what's going to happen. They're looking at, oh no, fear. And, and I read in, uh, later in the same chapter in John 6, it says, when evening came, starting in verse 16, it says, his disciples went down to the sea and got in a boat and went over to the sea towards Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus hadn't come to them. And when the sea arose because a great wind was blowing, so when they had rowed about three to four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. I look at this story and lots of times in life, storms are going to come. Storms. These were fishermen. They knew what it was like to be in a boat. It said they'd rowed three to four hours out into the sea and this storm came up. Storm came up and is tossing them back and forth. And and they're afraid. In Matthew, the same story talks about they're out in the sea and the storm was there and all of a sudden Jesus comes walking on the water and they start screaming, it's a ghost! It's a ghost! You know what fear does? It makes you not recognize when Jesus shows up. They didn't even recognize Jesus when he was there to help them. 
because of fear. Sometimes in the middle of our storm, God's there to help you and God wants to show you something and we don't recognize it. He's there and, and we're going, ah! <laughs> and he's gone. It's okay. It's me. I read this story and I look at that last verse and it says, what happened to him is they received him into the boat and immediately they were on the shore. I go, they got translated. They, they were out of their storm immediately when they accepted Jesus and they got in the middle. Of, he, they allowed him to come in the middle of their storm. All of a sudden, boom, it says they were at the land where they were going immediately. They didn't have to row back three to four hours. It just something happened. Sometimes in the middle of our storm, we need to recognize Jesus. God's there in the middle of your storm and watching immediately. Watching immediately. I like immediately so that my storm is over. You know, and it comes from us keeping our eyes fixed on him. In that other story, Peter goes and says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. He says, come. You know, God doesn't mind you coming. He likes you getting close. He likes you coming into that place. He says, come. Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking. Wow. This is cool. <laughs> you guys are missing it. Next thing you know, he starts looking at the situation again. And he's walking. He starts to sink. But he cried out to Jesus. Jesus reaches and grabs him and takes him back. See, in the middle of your storm, keep your eyes Fixed. Fixed on Jesus. Fixed. Not on the waves. Not on the storm. Not what people are saying. Not what is happening. Not what you're feeling in your body. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And what happens? He'll, he'll lift you up. And next thing you know, you'll be walking in areas you didn't know you could walk. You'll be having victory like you never knew you could have. Immediately they were at the land. It says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. I looked in the, in the Strong's and perfect peace. Perfect is the word shalom. Peace is the word shalom. He'll give you Shalom, shalom. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding in the middle of your storm. He'll calm your mind down so you can speak the right thing and watch your battle end. Watch the victory come through. You get in that place where, where you can overcome these different situations. Last one or two that I want to do is Jesus comes and there's a, a blind man. In chapter 9. And this blind man, Jesus is there, and he wants to go and seize him. And he comes and he asks him again. Let me find it here. Wrong. He, he says, uh, passing by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Who sinned? Who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus said, neither. Neither sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's yet day. Jesus went and spat on the ground and made some clay and put it in his eyes and said, go wash. And the man came back seeing. 
The man was in darkness, could not see anything. But when he met Jesus, he came back seeing. Sometimes people are in spiritual darkness. They can't see. They don't know God. They've been walking in life. You might even be in here today. It might just be a visitor. First time you're going by and you said, let's go over here. And you don't know what it's like to have the eyes opened up. I remember my eyes opening up from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. Giving my life to Christ and saying, God, it's all yours. And all of a sudden things changed. Things changed all around me. Sometimes there's Christians that they love God, but they're in spiritual darkness. They don't allow the Holy Spirit to open their eyes. They walk and they, they hear the message, but they aren't in that place where the, the light of God can shine. And all of a sudden they can say, once I was blind, but now I see. So you get in that place where your eyes open up and, and your storms will change because you'll look at them different. The light of God will shine on your storm. And next thing you know, you'll be able to stand and you'll be able to see. And you say, yeah, I was like that, but I am not anymore. I'm not anymore. I'm changed because of the blood of Jesus. See, this is a, a spirit walk that we're doing. As Christians, you want to be a successful Christian. We are a three-part being, being, body, soul, and spirit. And when you go and you start to grow in Christ, and start walking in the Spirit instead of, instead of in that natural all the time. You aren't going to live in darkness. He'll lift the darkness off. God wants to lift the darkness off our neighborhood. That they're not in spiritual darkness anymore. He wants to lift the darkness off your, your family. He wants to lift the darkness off our city. He wants to lift the darkness off our nation. That all of a sudden the light of Christ comes down. And the storms that are going around in those areas stop. That all of a sudden you can say, I can see. The last thing I was looking at is Jesus comes. Mary and Martha get a hold of Jesus. They're the brother, the sisters to Lazarus. And you might have known the story. It's in chapter 11 of Jesus is getting called to come. Lazarus is dying. Lazarus is dying. And here's death standing before him. And Jesus didn't go right then. Sometimes we're in a place where, is he moving? Is he not moving? Uh, this is situation. This is death. Jesus didn't come right then. And he gets there. And Mary and Martha both at different times tell him, you know, if you'd have been here, He'd be alive. And I wouldn't be in this situation. It wouldn't be over. Sometimes we have death to different things in our life. Death to the vision. God gave you a vision. He gave you a calling when you were young. But, uh, and you're going, it never happened. I guess that's over. Death in marriage. Death in all kinds of different things. And you're thinking it's all over. But it's not over. It's not over. Jesus goes and says, roll back the stone. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb, all bound in his grave clothes. They said, untie him, feed him, take care of him. Jesus resurrected something that was gone. 
Maybe you have something in your life that's gone this morning. God wants to resurrect it. You know, I was thinking, we sing that song. It's a new song we've been singing. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. You know, I looked it up on YouTube, and I heard the testimony of it. You know, and here's the song leaders up in Bethel Church, and he's talking. And he said, about December this year, a friend of theirs, a couple, their their little three-year-old boy, Jackson, came down with something, and he was airlifted to to um, the hospital, put in ICU. And the church started praying. And the church started praying. And the church started praying. And he said about two weeks into this battle, he got a text from the uh, parents, the uh, father. He got a text saying, it doesn't look like Jackson's going to live tonight. And when he got this text, he said this giant of unbelief stood up in front of him. He's sitting there, and they've been praying for Jackson for two weeks strong. He said, this giant of unbelief came up. And inside, he's going, Jackson's not going to live tonight. Jackson's going home to be with the Lord. And he said, he, he just said, all of a sudden, out of his gut, came a song. He said, I'm going to raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I'm going to raise a hallelujah, uh, you know, over and over. Heaven's going to come and fight for me. In the middle, when you look at saying it's over, you need to allow your tongue to praise God. And start saying, God, I raise a hallelujah to you. On that video... They're holding that little boy. He's playing around. He's healed. That's just the last couple of months. He's healed. Back in church, terrorizing other little kids. You know what I mean? We have to take and win this battle right here. Not allow it to win. God's here to change your mind, your thoughts tonight. Help you have victory. That you can walk out of here and you can say, you know what? There is hope. Rising out of the ashes, there is hope. There's a change. Amen? Let's pray right now. Father, I pray for every person in here. We all fight battles of the mind. We all have challenges before us. I pray right now in Jesus' name. Show us. Show us how we can win the battle of disappointment and doubt all the way up to staring at death. Father, I thank you right now that you're moving and you're helping each person right now that they can raise their voice and praise to you. I thank you situations are changing right now because we trust in you. Peace is coming upon people right now because they trust in you. I thank you, Father, you're moving and doing miracles right now in Jesus' name. The sick are healed. Miracles are happening in our midst because you're the creator and you're so good. Father, I ask you right now, touch, show us how to watch our tongues that we can only let praise out. We can only let praise out. Father, I ask you right now, maybe 
you're in here tonight and maybe or this morning and maybe maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe you just come in and you don't know what it's like to be born again. Jesus wants to show himself real to you today. He wants to show himself. He wants to take all those cares, those things that you carry in your life. He wants to help you and change you. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to show you the life that he has for you. And maybe you're in here and you'd like to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've come and you've, you've fallen away from the Lord. You knew what it was like when you were younger, but you've fallen away. And you say, I need to get my heart right today. I need God. And you're here. I'm not going to embarrass you and bring you up front or anything like that. But I want you to...